far are you going? About 30 years. In this week's episode, it's our Batman Ween special. Happy Halloween, everyone. So, what order do you want to do the Batman movies in? I guess the order that they aired um, on Toonami. So, so Toonami year one, uh, aired year one first? Yeah. Uh, even though I saw and that then, like two uh, weeks ago. Dark Knight Returns and then uh, Gotham Knight? Yeah. I mean, Gotham Knight is the only really anime-related thing we have on, on this recording. So right. We, we once again squeak by with, a, with an anime podcast, air quotes. Well, uh, Miller, a lot of his stuff from the 80s was kind of anime-inspired um, artwork, so I guess we can try to tie it in tangentially there. Oh, like, like stuff like Ronin? Know, and, because I know Ronin, about Ronin. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but basically he tried to kind of combine American-style and Japanese-style art. All right, so God willing, this comes out on Halloween, the way we say it will. This is supposed mm-hmm. to be a Halloween episode. So if it's a day late or a day early, it still counts. Yeah, it doesn't have to be exact. Yeah. But I we'll mean, have a month here because we're recording in late September. Yeah, I mean, we're on the 27th of September and we don't have anything going to guy related to watch. So, oh well. Uh, I mean, I'm still recording the stuff we've recorded over the past four months. Or I'm editing it, excuse me. So I plan yeah. on getting that out soon. And uh, which episodes were those, like con episodes or well, stuff I, with that? I, I or... talked about the coronavirus riots, George Floyd thing, which we just kind of gave like a brief overview and talked about. Stuff. Oh, and yeah, then we talked general, about Chuck E. Cheese, and then you and me talked about um, the Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry, and, yeah. <clears throat> so those are still uh, work in progresses right now. Right. Uh, I don't think all my phone is. Oh, it's on my bed. I got a feeling I'm probably on the recording. I'm probably going to get a phone call. Okay. Because it just happens, but maybe I'll, I'll get lucky and nothing will happen. I don't know. All right. So I actually enjoyed the, the Batman movies on Toonami. It was the first time I actually seen something on Toonami in months. Probably oh, yeah. super because I've been recording things and. I just haven't been around to, or had the time to sit there and like digitize all that stuff to my computer. 
Yeah, there's probably been like ten series or something that have aired since then. <laughs> well, JoJo's was on, and then it went off, and now it's back. Um, yeah, I think there's Food four Wars episodes left on. in this season. I was hoping to talk to to Daft about that because, uh, I, I I mean, I'm still watching JoJo's, but the plot is so incomprehensible. I haven't even started it. I've got it all recorded uh-huh. on my DVR. I, I just like, I don't know. I just don't have a drive to watch it. Hmm. On this new one, it's like they all switched bodies, and then one of them died, and then another one's jumped into that body, and it came back alive. And then the other one's body died, and it's like, how does that even work? Like, if your body is dead, wouldn't it be because there was like some uh, <laughs> blow to it, to it, and not like your soul died, and then your body is also dead, no matter which soul the body the soul is in, or whatever? It's just so. <laughs> I mean, the, the powers in JoJo's are just so bizarre, and it, one of the characters like died, well, and then he moved into a turtle's body, and now he's alive again. And it's well, just like, what the you, ju- you just said it. JoJo's bizarre, and they go on adventures. <laughs> That's why it's it's self titled. If it if a thing gets you to say the title of the show unwillingly, then you know it's a solid hit. Yeah, you know it's going to be bizarre. Yeah, it's just like man, this is the most bizarre thing about this JoJo's. Ah, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Batman Year One, it was actually, yeah, I mean, like, I liked all of them, but I think Year One was probably, like, the, I don't know, like, it was, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, like, as, it didn't stick out to me the most, I guess. Yeah. Because it is the start Um, of, like, Bruce Wayne coming back home and uh, Gordon uh, starting his uh, work on the um, Gotham PD. Right. Yeah, they're trying to like expand on Batman's origin uh, by showing like before he was uh, wearing a costume, he was like scoping out Gotham uh, undercover and uh, mm-hmm. getting in fights with Selena Kyle. And uh, then there's some early conflicts that he has with the uh, mob bosses like Maroni and, uh, um, and then Fal- it shows him. Wait, Carmine, having- Fal- Carmine Falcone was another one too. Yeah, Falcone. That's another one. And those characters are in the, uh, the TV show Gotham. Uh, especially the first season or two. There's a lot of stuff with those mob bosses. I remember Falcone, um, because mm. that black girl like worked for him or something. And then it was like they double crossed him. I don't, man, season yeah. one was forever ago. And Maroney was the guy that the penguin was working for. He was like an Italian guy. And uh, at one point, the penguin he like puts the guy in like a like a junkyard and like crushes him with the trash compactor, and then he takes over the mob. Okay. I mean, I committed halfway through season two, mm-hmm. and I never went back to finish it. Yeah. Well, I mean, without year one, I don't think you would have shows like Gotham because there's so much stuff that's been made uh, in the mold of year one since it came out of like uh, delving into the early period of Batman. Because a lot of people uh, like the first year of the Batman comics where Batman is uh, carrying around a gun and uh, killing people and he's like a much darker character. And then once Robin came along, it became very cheesy and there's a lot more jokes and he's working with the police force and during that period and stuff. <clears throat> so like only the really early ones in the thirties were really gritty. And um, they, they tried to 
copy that with uh, Frank Miller's version of Batman, where he's kind of goes back to being this more like dark brooding character, and he's uh, de- dealing with like street crime again instead of fighting these like absurd um, you know super villains and stuff that he's fighting later on, like Mister Freeze or whatever. So yeah, I I think that this like really changed the direction of Batman in the comics, and then you've had a lot of other stuff like Year Two which was the sequel to this in the comics. And that had uh, Batman using a gun. And uh, he actually ends up working with the guy who killed his parents called Joe Chill uh, because they're going up against this common enemy, which is some villain called the Reaper. And uh, mm. uh, eventually Batman reveals to Joe Chill that he's uh, Bruce Wayne and he puts the gun to his head. And then uh, he's about to fire on him, which is something they copied in the Gotham TV show as well. But in, in the TV show, Bruce backs down and he realizes he can't kill him. But in the comic, uh, the Reaper ends up killing uh, Chill before Batman can. So they had a lot of like darker versions of Batman um, coming back at this point. And so they're really trying to change it up from from the way it had been. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Miller also, his, his just art style uh, changed a lot of stuff when he was doing Daredevil and stuff. And he started bringing in Japanese elements a lot. Um, like he's Daredevil's always fighting ninjas, and uh, uh, and then like the Ninja Turtles comics were a response to uh, Miller's early stuff. And they the early Ninja Turtles comics are black and white, and they're like very heavily shaded and stuff, imitating Miller's art and, like, style. Like very violent and gory too. Right. Like, yeah. Because yeah, people are always getting their heads cut off and stuff, and the, <laughs> these ninja type stories. But yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Miller, he did, he did year one and he did, uh, Dark Knight Returns. And those were considered to be like the top selling, you know, comics from the mid eighties. And that really changed the direction of the, the whole comics industry along with Watchmen, which had, uh, Rorschach, which was another kind of Miller type character, I guess. Um, you know, this really dark, ultra violent, uh, character who's always like, you know, breaking people's fingers to get information out of them and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, Throws that cooking oil on that one guy when he's in jail, and <laughs> that stuff he did to that one guy's dogs and his origin story, and all, all these brutal things that Rorschach is doing. flushes a guy down a toilet. I, I mean, I've only seen the movie like all the way through once, and I mean, and I do have the comic to it, but I mean, like they always keep that comic in print. Right. Isn't it the fact that like so Alan Moore can't get the rights back to it or something because of some contract obligation? Uh, right. Well, he had some deal where he uh, uh, had it so that he would get the the rights back if it went out of print, and he thought that, that was going to happen quickly, but it didn't. And then he was angry about this and saying like, "Oh, DC, they they knew they would never let it out of print, and this was some scam." I don't think they would have kept it in print if it didn't sell, you know? Like, that, they kept it in yeah. print because people want to keep reading it. Yeah, and you get new people interested in it, too. Right, and especially uh, after that HBO series, I saw all, a lot of pictures of it at bookstores where they were stocking it very heavily. People were going back to uh, to read it, and I'm sure that happened also when the movie came out. And, and it's just stayed as one of the top graphic novel sellers over the years, even without any of these, uh, you know, cash-in sequels and stuff that they've made in recent years. Because I think there was, there was like, 25 years or so where there was no new stuff relating to Watchmen at all coming out. 
from like the mid eighties until 2010 or so, or 2009 yeah. or whenever that movie came out. It was out. after the movie came out and they started doing like those, like one animated short or something or an animated movie. Yeah. And then it seemed like they did a couple more. Yeah. They did a motion comic. They did a, they did a, something called the tales from the black freighter or something, which was adapting part of the comic that was cut out of the movie. Um, which was a sort of pointless part of the comic where there was, there'd be this kid just reading a comic at the stand uh, about pirates and that would take up like a page or two of every issue for some reason. Like a lot of the stuff in the comic that was cut out by uh, Zack Snyder, I think was an improvement that he, that he removed some of that stuff. Like that, that didn't really have much to do with the main plot. And then the, the part that he removed with the giant alien, uh, monster or whatever at the end is pretty mm-hmm. stupid that them making it into dr manhattan's radiation that worked more with the whole cold war theme that you see it throughout the movie with all the stuff about the soviets and afghanistan and everything so i i think snyder he's he's very inspired by comics from this period um like the uh batman versus superman movie it takes a lot from from year one like the first sequence of the movie is uh is the flashback to um Frank uh, Frank Miller's uh, version of Bruce Wayne's origin, where the uh, where his mother gets shot by the burglar, and then the pearls go flying. Mm-hmm. That was th- those pearls were not in the previous versions of the origin by like the original creator Bob Kane and all that. Uh, but then they then include they, that in like all the later stuff that whenever they adapt it. Well, I know, like I, I feel like they've done the pearl thing, um, like in the, in the Schumacher films in the nineties. Yes. Okay. It's in those, and if they did it, his origin in the in the um, Bruce Tim animated series, it's probably in that as well. Okay, yeah, because the comic was in the eighties, right? And then that was pretty much always included as part of the origin. After that, just I'm not sure why it became such an iconic image of his mother being shot. Like you'd think it would matter more that she died than that her necklace got broken. But I don't know. I think it's supposed to symbolize like uh, innocence being destroyed or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably. But, uh, yeah, well, and then terms, after I was gonna say after that of, in the movie, he also copies the the Batman Superman fight from from uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I was gonna say like in terms of like how well these uh, like Year One and Dark Knight uh, Returns, like how well did it adapt from the source material? Well, these these animated movies are are pretty close adaptations, I'd say. Okay. I don't really recall any major changes in them or anything. Um, I mean, there were things that you would think they would change uh, that they didn't change, like the uh, woman with the big swastikas on her chest in the Dark Knight Returns Part Two. Oh like, no, I'm glad they kept that. I would that. think they could. I, I would think they could be well, able to that, keep that. That's, that I remember there was. I remember a guy like at my call center job. He like let me borrow the book, and so we had a couple of hours of downtime before work started. I uh-huh. think he might have let me borrow it for, I think it was just that day or I skimmed through it, but I remember like the first half of it was a mutant fight, so I just kept skimming through. And then it was the Nazi chick. Uh-huh. And, then I, and then I'm thinking, every time I thought I was like, man, if they animated or filmed this, they better not censor that out, because that is just insanely awesome. And then they put it in this, and they show it on TV, and apparently like, nobody's mad at Cartoon Network because they showed a Batman movie with a girl with swastikas on her tits. So... Yeah, I mean, you would think that if they can't show nipples, they wouldn't be able to show swastikas, since you would think that 
that's more offensive than like something well, that you would I, I guess suck it's milk like, out it's, of. But I guess like nipples, it's more of um, I mean that's more indecent, so they couldn't get away with that. But swastikas, they could, and they're like, well, you know, this is what time? Two in the morning. We're showing this. No one's gonna give a shit. <laughs> so that's like Demarco's way of thinking. Is like no one's gonna care. Uh, yeah, schedule. I guess that Demarco could probably justify it as like, oh well, the swastika show that she's evil or something. So we're not glorifying Nazism or something, and we'll that's have true. time to have Black Lives Matter use that as the next week. Right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm surprised that that Demarco actually allowed these films to air because. Uh, there is like a very right wing message to, especially the Dark Knight Returns. I mean, uh, oh, the second just, half of it. Well, just the whole thing. I mean, the, the constant talk about crime, and you'll have these absurd liberals on television that they show, uh, like psychologist, the psychologist for the Joker, who's like making apologies for this violent criminal and saying, "Oh, he didn't do anything wrong. He's just a victim of society." He's and, a victim uh, of Batman and. How Batman yeah. is a controlling alpha or whatever. And then, you know, Joker gets the coffee cup and breaks it on the table and slices his throat. Right. <laughs> it was like, your life meant nothing, Mr. Therapist. Yeah. And I posted on the chat of another video where they're interviewing some guy who's talking about, uh, well, we just need to uh, treat these criminals humanely and... Uh, the society is the real source of all this violence and it's the fault of our system and uh, not these poor uh, innocent people and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end he says, oh, me, I'd never live in a city. No, of course not. <laughs> I mean, that, that that about sums up the suburban liberal. I mean, that's the whole point of this movie is just every time they show a TV segment, it's like something out of RoboCop or something, you know, uh, it's, it's like satirizing the social values that you would see on the nightly news in the 1980s, uh, from what the biased people in the media thought we had to hear all these experts talking about how, uh, the reason for the high crime rate is society and all all this kind of stuff that you (laughs) will often hear on CNN today as well. Well, especially CNN now, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, we're just kind of going back and forth. It doesn't, I don't know, I'm not too worried about staying on the structure, but, like, yeah, year one, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne comes back, and it's basically, there's a corrupt police chief, or a chief like Loeb or whatever, that's, um, you know, giving the whole rundown on, um, on Gordon about like, you know, like we look out for each other, but you know, we have a way of doing things. And so like the police are, you know, it's basically like, if you're a cop, you have it, you have it nice because no one's going to mess with you. And that's like part of the city corruption there. And then you got like the one like guy who's like a jock or whatever. That's like, uh, Gordon's partner. And then of course, like I, I can't remember like why Gordon got beat up or something. Uh, but from, he, he was, was like being too hard on the other the other cops uh, oh, about yeah. their excessive use of force or something like that, and then uh, they uh, they decided to like teach him a lesson or something. Yeah, in the parking lot garage when he's going to work, and then um, and then of course Gordon like comes back at this guy and trails him down and knocks him off the road and like beats the crap out of him. 
And Gordon's thing was like the reason why he's in Gotham is because of like he got kicked out of wherever he came before because he accused an officer of something or we don't really know, but like he apparently was involved in an investigation on like police brutality or something. And apparently they, the cops that went after Gordon because he, you know, did the same thing were, you know, you're, you're going against our group. You didn't follow our rules on how to do things. And Chicago is where he came from. Okay. Because that's like another place which has, you know, a reputation of a corrupt police department and everything. That's true. And um, I don't know if it's gotten better since then. I mean, there's still high yeah. crime in Chicago. The news used to talk about that all the time. It used to be in support of the police. And now, well, that narrative's changed this year. Go figure. Yeah. Well, at one point you see um, uh, Carrie Kelly's uh, standing there. And I think it's her parents that you hear in the other room in um, The Dark Knight Returns. And she's mm-hmm. her her parents are are talking about like uh, it's uh, our country is becoming fascist and it's like all that marching we did in the sixties uh, didn't mean anything and this all reminds me of Chicago uh, because there was this incident mm-hmm. in nineteen sixty eight where the uh, the Democrat convention a bunch of um, hippies were supporting a candidate who had lost and uh, the, they started protesting and then the Chicago police beat them up. So it's kind of implied that she's like, um, you know, the daughter of these counterculture people, but she doesn't like the, what the city has turned into and that she's getting uh, mugged by these um, mutants with her when she's out with her friends. And then yeah. she decides to become Robin and uh, fight back against crime. Yeah, And so you can like, hear a couple other conversations with her parents, I think, throughout the film as she's standing around in her apartment thinking about what to do and stuff. Yeah, because she's like, God, I hate it here. I hate my parents. They act like they, they they basically sit around and smoke pot and talk about the good old days of like how they used to not do anything but protest or whatever. And then you're kind of thinking, well, how do they – If they're, I guess like they work some sort of mediocre job and then come home and get high. Uh-huh. Like that's all their life has, has amounted to. <laughs> Um, but, but I mean, that makes you think like, you know, you got the today's culture that's out there protesting and, you know, in 20 years, they're going to be lounging around in a park. Like, remember when we almost burnt down Atlanta and wrote on the scene inside, like that meant something at that time to, what was that guy we were all mad at? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. They'll be reminiscing about the good old days of the Chaz and all that. Oh gosh. Imagine, remember, imagine there being a, like a Chaz reunion in like ten years or twenty years. You just bring a bunch of police there, like, "Ha we got you guys." Probably find a few, few of the murderers in there too. <laughs> yeah, you probably find the guy who shot the kid in the, in the SUV or whatever, like executed him because that was an that audio, that audio exists. Did they ever arrest them? I have no idea. I did not hear about that. I would hope so. Yeah, well, I've heard that there's like more fires going on now in Chaz after the Breonna Taylor thing. They're going to like try to take that area back over again or something. So they're trying to reinstate Chaz. Um, yeah. And it's apparently, okay. It's kind of like one of those things that were like it was hot and now they, it, the media has moved on to something else, but then it's like they still exist. Yeah. For whatever reason. And then it seems like, um, you know, these mutants are kind of like, I don't know, I guess they're just considered to be like like a stupid underclass of people that kind of just are out there to do violence and they'll just follow whoever they see as being the alpha of the city. 
So at first they're supporting this uh, this big bald mutant that Batman fights in the mud, and yeah. then later on, once Batman wins, they all become like the Batman street gang. Well, instead, it, it was the fact. So it just shows like the need for a strong leader to stop crime and get these people to work for you instead of against you. I guess. Yeah, I mean the thing was that um, shoot. Well, it's the fact that, like, not all, I mean, like, once Batman broke up the mutant group, they all split off into little gangs. And so one of them that supported Batman, which was still ins- instituting violence as a, as a, for vigilanteism, is like the sons of Batman or whatever. And, um, which, of course, he uses them to the, his advantage in the, in the second part, where, like, you know, the, you know, Superman, you know, goes to try to save this island that, America is trying to, you know, take over from the Russians and the Russians send a nuclear missile, which basically that missile was a decoy as an EMP bomb that shut down like the entire Gotham city or whatever. So then there's a whole thing of rioting happens and everyone's trying to, you know, do whatever they wanted to do, which is the same thing that happened back in the summer. And then of course you got Gordon. It's like, we need to work together. This is our community. I don't know why you guys want to loot it or whatever. We got fires to put out. You guys live here, right? I mean, why do you want this place to burn? And then they all felt bad and they seemed to get it. And I was like, this, they need to play, people need to watch this movie to realize that when they riot and they hurt their communities, there is no good that comes from that. Yeah. And then basically Batman has to ride in on a horse and save the day. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's very much, I think, inspired by Napoleon and the idea of what was happening in the French Revolution where you had these out of control leftists that were obsessed with equality and um, abolishing religion and all the things that they're still obsessed with today. And they were just killing people left and right. If they didn't meet whatever the new dogma was of the week that had been created and people were getting guillotined all the time and they would Mm -hmm. kill their own leaders and it was just chaos. And they kept switching political systems because none of them worked. And eventually somebody just came in, which was Napoleon and said, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm going to make France great again. And basically he established a giant French empire and he had his whole family running basically all of Europe until he went to Russia and took on something that he couldn't overcome and ended up losing at Waterloo and everything. But, um, you know, the point is he was like a figure like Batman here where he had to put a stop to the chaos. Mm-hmm. And so he, he rides in on horseback from some military campaign and then he's, he goes into the place where you know politics are decided and basically just tells these people i'm in charge now and then uh you know without even firing a shot or anything they just surrender power to him because they accept that he's the one who needs to take charge in order yeah, to he, he's the real chad. Of france he, he proved his chadness <laughs> um so so yeah batman is like that here and he has to you know he has to put this situation uh you know, at ease because we had the situation with the Two Face going around killing people. The Joker comes back and he's shooting people left and right. And eventually, Batman decides, "Well, I'm the law. I have to lay down the law on the Joker." And he basically snaps the guy's neck, and then the Joker finishes the job for him. Yeah. So wait, the first part had yeah, because Two Face gets re hit. Uh, man- okay. Well, the sum of Batman Year One is really good, but it's not as interesting as The Dark Knight Returns. So let's just move on yeah. to Dark Knight Returns. 
Because that's what we've been talking yeah, if about. Yeah, we have anything. If we have anything more to say about year one, it might get. I don't know. Gordon again, had but... an affair with a girl, and he set that straight. Because Batman didn't really have any like villains. He was just trying to get started. It was really more about like Gordon's coming to power and how everything worked out. Where Batman got better at his job, and they got rid of all like the the basically the psycho cops that were like you know like Batman's in a building that like he goes to try to help somebody or he he helps Gordon by not you know dying while he was trying to like help this guy that was you know fell asleep behind the wheel downtown and then like you know batman goes in this building and they basically just like napalm the sucker because you got the the chief of police that's in in ties with organized crime that's basically like funding all this to kill the batman because he threatened them at their little party or whatever and you know it just goes as it goes crazy that he, he goes against all these like you know police like the whole like SWAT team is against him and he takes them all out basically. And then, you know, they just wreck that building in the middle of the city. Um, yeah. That's where he's hiding under the stairs and stuff. And he throws the cat out the window and it goes to Selena. And yeah, you know, then they like yeah. chase him and stuff. It's, well, it's a yeah, they definitely, they definitely scene. went with the lesbian angle on Selena because she has like this girlfriend or something. And Selena's like this, you know, butch lesbian or whatever. And you know, like, what was it like? You know, when Bruce is downtown scoping it out, and he gets in fight with a pimp or whatever, and then Selena finds out and gets down there, and they have that fight, and it's just like, I'm like, dang! I'm like, usually she's always like the the pretty cat thief girl or whatever, and this one she's like the tomboy. So maybe later she mellows out. I don't know. Yeah, she's like implied to be a prostitute for that pimp or something, and then eventually she and her friend uh, leave the industry there and uh she's puts on the cat suit and everything so yeah so it's supposed to be like a dual origin for batman and catwoman and they did later on publish a uh miniseries a couple years later called catwoman year one that showed like her side of the story events happening around the same time and stuff so. okay but then it, later on a few years later they had to they like retconned her origin because i guess they thought it was a little too edgy for her to be a former prostitute <laughs> so i think in like 94 or so they did like another version of her origin where uh, where they removed that detail. I don't know. They thought it was probably too unmarketable since there was like a Batman TV cartoon on at the time and stuff to, to have her be a former prostitute. Oh, okay. I, I mean, like, well, I guess that works out because then you got the story from uh, Dark Knight Returns where, like, Selena has an escort service in her, in her older years. And so she, she's become she her own back. pimp. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't think Selena would be the kind to let herself go like that, but they show her kind of like old on Yeah, and then like the Joker gets her like a a Wonder Woman costume tied up or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, we kind of hit up year one. That was basically. I it. think we can like, go on to Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Yeah. So Dark Knight Returns, like you know, like yeah, like so. How old is? Bruce Wayne in that film, like fifty something. I don't know. I was thinking maybe sixty or something like that. Yeah, because like it starts out with him like in this like, you know, um, indie race or it's Formula One race, and he's like sixty years old, and he's just like, yeah, I only do it just to keep my heart rate up. Yeah, I guess he needs some source of excitement since he's no longer Batman. Yeah. Hmm. But then he realizes he'll always be Batman. I think that what was like the I heard this years ago where it was like 
Bruce Wayne is just the cover or like the identity of Batman. Like he's always been Batman, but Bruce Wayne is like just like a, this facade he puts on. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, uh, and he, that kind of makes sense. Acts, he acts like a, this spoiled playboy or whatever when he's on about him, but then uh, his real life is all about being Batman, really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Alfred is often trying to persuade him to, like, uh, be more human and uh, put more time into romance or uh, something like that, but then he'll usually be like, I can't stop Batman. I've got to save people. And he goes back out and fights people at night <laughs> instead of going on dates. <laughs> I guess he's had, I mean, he's had some flings like based on like Ma- Mask of the Phant- Phantasm. Uh, I mean, there's Selena Kyle. That's pretty much the only two I can think of. Oh, no, Rachel Gill's daughter. That's it. Talia. Yeah. Talia, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's others. There's uh, Vicky Vale, the photographer. I think she's in the first uh, Batman movie by Tim Burton. Yeah, and, well, what uh, was it? Like, they make Vicky well, Vale like this overweight, like, obese woman in, in Dark Knight Returns. And she's, like, on a talk so, show. No, that's uh, that's Lana Lang, which is one of um, Superman's girlfriends from when he was Superboy. Uh, oh. But for some reason, they have her on there. I don't know. It is weird because she's the Superman character. But they also show Jimmy Olsen at one point um, because that that they're showing from GBS, which is um, the um, film studio where uh, where Superman is, is an anchor as Clark Kent, and he co-hosts a news show with uh, Lana Lang. So they, I don't think they show him as an anchor anymore in this. Like he's probably retired from that by then. But mm. yeah, Lana, she got all fat, and now she's like a um, instead of being a Superman fan fan girl, she's now like a Batman fan girl, and uh, is always defending him against uh, all these other people that are uh, it, all these psychologists and stuff that would go on GPS and talk about how Batman was too cruel to Two Face with the Joker or whatever. And she'll be like, are you going to be kidding me? He's the only one that's uh, fighting against the bad guys here or something like that. Usually she'll be saying something like that. Oh, all right. Shoot, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put my thoughts together on uh, Dark Knight Returns. Um, oh, and I, while you're thinking, I'll mention another Batman girlfriend. In the 80s comics, uh, okay. Alfred is discovered to have had a, a daughter with uh, the French... Resistance uh, fighter Mademoiselle Millie during World War Two, and uh, he like rediscovers his daughter, and uh, then he's like trying to hook her up with Batman for a while, <laughs> named Julia Pennyworth, and that was uh, going on for a couple of years. But then that character stopped appearing after um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is what happened in the mid '80s, and then they rebooted the whole um, Batman. Uh, franchise, and uh, that's when they that's when they published uh, Batman Year One because it was supposed to be like the start of a new Batman with with a new origin and everything. Uh, and then that character didn't appear anymore after that. So um, it doesn't really seem like Miller had any ideas for Batman having any sort of romantic life or anything, though, because like in in Year One and in Dark Knight Returns, it's pretty much just he's exclusively focused on being Batman. He, he's, yeah. he doesn't have any. Yeah, he never he never settled down. It was just kind of like, you know, in Returns, he's just like this crotchety old grumpy man that's just like, ah, the city's going to hell, and I retired. I shouldn't do anything, and then he gets back into it. 
he's like, ah, I got nothing better to do with my retirement age or whatever, and stirs up a bunch of stuff. Um, I was kind of busy listening to you on that. I, I, so wait, in the comics, did when Batman shows up with the tank to mow down like the mutant, like gang members or whatever, did he use live bullets or was it rubber bullets? Um, I actually brought the comic here in front of me just in case we. Because I, I mean, I remember looking at that section of the comic, and but I don't remember if he actually used live ammo on that. Um, let's see. We got we got to go to the reference guide. I'm on book three here. This happened at, like around the middle of the first um, of the second movie, right? Well, it was oh, the yeah, end of the first movie where he's like fighting the mutant army, like at the tra- okay. at the dump. Okay, yeah, here he is at the dump. Um, I'm just like, is there any blood showing? Well, there's some blood on Batman here when he gets beat up. <laughs> uh, yeah, here he comes with the tank. Uh, yeah, it says rubber bullets, honest and. Okay, yeah, it is. Okay. It is rubber bullets, but yeah. I but guess there, there are scenes where he's using a gun in other parts of this comic, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, they've got him with a rifle when he's um, in issue number one here. Uh, yeah, he's right after the helicopter fires a missile at the building. Uh, Batman's got a, got a rifle, and he's... Uh, Swinging around Gotham here. Yeah, I think he's firing at uh, Harvey Dent through the window here, and then yeah, and then he finds him and he's nice. all bandaged up, and then he imagines him with uh, like a full two face, just as one face, you know, the whole scarred face. Yeah, I which I guess is like he's seeing the inner two face, even though his outside has still been healed. He's still evil. Okay, because I wasn't sure if it was like, so it's it's a straight adaptation then. Okay, yeah, pretty much pretty straight. Um, I was checking out something. I, I I saw that Dap posted in the chat that the uh, Broncos Stadium is full of like South Park cutouts. Oh, really? Yeah. This is because they can't have an audience due to COVID or something? Yeah, this is actually really creative. I, I do I do like this. Okay, I'll check it. Is it on the Slack channel? Yeah, okay, yeah here it's it on is. Slack. Yeah, I see a whole bunch of South Park people. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, the new season starts... Um, no, they're doing the coronavirus special on Wednesday. Which, according to the promo, was just another like scheme for Randy to sell more pot. Mm. Aren't the uh, South Park creators from Colorado originally? I think so. Yeah, I mean, like the, the the series takes place in Colorado, like near, like outside of Denver. They've they've made jokes with the like you know the Broncos be playing like the Pats, and then it uh-huh. just like shows like Tom Brady taking a massive crap in his drawers. I think from from some disease. 
And they're like, oh, Brady got sacked again. He's got a lot of, like, weight in his pants. Go Broncos or something. Yeah, I noticed that everyone seems to hate that guy except for uh, Patriots fans. Yeah, like Daft. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of is there any of the highlights and Dark Knight Returns we want to talk about. I um, so we covered Nazi chick. Uh, Batman is an old. Well, okay, we'll get into the fight with him and Superman. Oh um, right, yeah. that was that was that was really good. Yeah, because they get like I guess Superman is still working for the government or for Nixon or whatever. Reagan. Yeah, Reagan. No, I kept seeing even I said Nixon in the chat. Thank God it is Reagan. <laughs> um, I get why people get the mixed up though. Uh, they yeah. were two term presidents. The one in the forty nine state landslide on their second term. Both Republicans. Yeah, one, I mean they use Nixon is just a stand-in for uh, Reagan in the uh, Watchmen comics as well. They just say Nixon got elected to five terms, but then he's doing basically the same stuff Reagan was doing in Afghanistan and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I just saw the Watchmen movie the the other day, and they had like Nixon with this really cartoonishly large nose, and uh, they had all these impersonators of politicians that are in it, like. Uh, and then at first scene with comedians watching the McLaughlin group and uh, they've got like um, impersonator of Eleanor Clift and Pat Buchanan and all those guys that were on that show for the four years when it was still on. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't really think of anything else major to talk about in Dark Knight Returns. I mean, we kind of... Well, okay. I do want to talk about the Joker scene. Like... Yeah, so like they get the whole, they do the whole thing to bring Joker on TV to boost that talk show host's ratings. And he just winds up basically like him and some old henchman of his that's like super fat that has like those toy dolls or whatever. And they basically like spread laughing gas that kills people. And then it gets into like, you know, they go to like a fair or something or Joker's there and he just grabs, you know, him and Batman are in a shootout. And then Joker just decides to just massacre everyone there for like no reason. Cause even Batman yeah. was saying how like, yeah, the Joker is way worse than what he is. Like he's not even the same person. Like he just, he just wants to just wreak havoc everywhere he goes literally. And then of course, like the whole point was to get Batman so pissed off that basically he nearly kills the Joker. And the Joker's like, I get the last laugh in the end because like I made you lose control. Like, that's my whole completion in life. And he breaks his own neck. Like, his neck was broken, but it could have been fixed. But then he decides to break it himself and die. Yeah. Uh, well, before he dies, he gives Batman this lecture about, like, why didn't you kill me? You could have saved so many lives if you had just done this one killing. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if this is supposed to be some sort of commentary about the death penalty or something by Miller. Because, you know, around that time you did have this controversy where, um, you know, states like Massachusetts had this furlough program where they would let murderers out of prison for the weekend to visit their families and then they would go off and murder people and then they'd have to go back to uh, uh, back to prison. And uh, this was like what sank uh, Michael Dukakis' campaign in 88. And so, yet, yeah, and then this is often brought up in like Batman comics published after this. is like, well, why does Batman just not kill the Joker since the Joker is 
constantly breaking out of Arkham Asylum basically every other month or something. This facility has no security to keep him in there or anything. And he, every time he gets loose, he kills a bunch of people. And Batman's like, well, then that would make me no better than they are. And well, uh, usually that's yeah. accepted as an excuse. It's the fact that, like, Arkham Asylum, the court system in Arkham Asylum are the worst, two worst things that needed to complete overhaul because people keep breaking out of Arkham all the time. And it's the exact same people. And Every then time the now. court system either just like, they need, no one's, everyone's afraid to do, to save the death penalty. They're just, you know, Batman's fighting for a system that totally works against him. Yeah. And it really makes no sense because if you read Batman comics from uh, the 40s and 50s, which I've been going through them all, mm-hmm. uh, they have almost every story Batman ends by arresting some minor crook. And he says, off to the electric chair with you uh, with a big grin on his face and a big square jaw. <laughs> and uh, it's really funny. He's like like this extreme proponent of the death penalty in, <laughs> in the 40s comics. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, it'll be like someone has stolen a diamond or something and he'll say that. And, but then the Joker will go around like every other month, there'll be like a new appearance by the Joker in comics from that period. Like him and the penguin were basically the only recurring villains uh, in Catwoman, I guess. But, uh, um, they, they, they kept appearing and they would always kill a bunch of people and, uh, wreak havoc. And, and he would never say that with the Joker. So it's like, well, why are they killing all, all the other criminals, but they're letting the Joker go loose? <laughs> And this was before they even came up with Arkham Asylum. <clears throat> that wasn't around until the seventies or something. But uh, it is it is really weird that Gotham doesn't just kill the Joker. Like, why do they let this clown destroy their city constantly? Well, there can only be <laughs> one clown prince of crime now, can they? There. Yeah. That's right. You can and, only have one actually, clown prince. They actually felt kind of embarrassed by this old stuff. Uh, like there's a, a comic called Batman 3D that I have from the from the 80s and it reprints some old 40s and 50s Batmans and uh, they they actually removed the last dialogue bubble from from one of the stories where some uh, villain built an evil robot and then at the end Batman says uh, well he's gonna get electrocuted soon or something like that and they just I checked like online how did the original story end and yeah it's it's got this balloon that's not in the reprint from like 88 or so because I guess. But then, like, the publishers of DC were too liberal to be allowing that happen. I think they for the death penalty. But, Is this what know. Bob Kane wanted you to say? Probably not. You know what Bob Kane stood for on capital punishment. <laughs> I think Bob Kane would approve. Because oh, his yeah. Batman was quite the killer. Well, I mean, this is... Uh, who was the guy who... You showed the comics a while ago. Oh, gosh, maybe last year or whatever. It was the one where, like, Batman saves a kid off a seesaw because there's a bomb under it. Oh, Bob Haney. Bob Haney, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, there's a bomb under this uh, other side of the seesaw, and uh, Batman jumps on the seesaw and sends the kid flying into the air, and then the bomb explodes or something like that. It was like, yeah, the bomb explodes right near Batman, and Batman is perfectly fine. It's a big, it's a big bomb. Oh man. I guess just one last thing here before we move on to the uh, Gotham Knights thing is that okay. uh, Batman's uh, relationship with Superman, it did get worse in the 80s because uh, Batman was sort of taking um, this line that um, superheroes need to be more involved in the real world or something like that, and Superman just wanted to uh, uh, you know, save the world from supervillains or something. So 
uh, when Lucius Fox, uh, who was running Wayne Corp for him at the time, was like uh, being kidnapped by the Markovian government, uh, the Justice League wouldn't go in and save him because they didn't want to get involved with other countries' affairs. Mm-hmm. So Batman quit the, the Justice League and he founded his own team called the Outsiders that were willing to go outside the law and they were going to be uh, more of like a dark edgy team or something like that. And uh, he had a lot of differences with Superman and they had like a monthly team up comic back then called world's finest where it would be a Batman and Superman teaming up every time. And they would often not get along during that period. So that comic was pu- published around, it was canceled, I think around the same time that dark Knight rise uh, returns came out. And so they're already kind of on bad terms in like the canon DC stuff. And then this was like, I guess, extrapolating that into the future that they would still have differences and agreements. And, um, and you can even see that uh, Green Arrow, who was another superhero with the Justice yeah, League. Yeah, I was wanting to bring he, uh, up. But you, okay, go ahead. Yeah, because he also had the same uh, conflict with Superman. He thought like Superman and uh, before that Green Lantern also he should have been uh, – dealing more with the problems in the communities, uh, you know, street crime and stuff and uh, drug problems and so on. And so they published like this historic issue in the the sixties or the seventies where a green lantern and green arrow come in on a green arrows ward speedy. And he's uh, shooting up with heroin. And uh, then that was like some anti-drug issue. Um, Cause at the time, I guess they still thought the drug war was going to like protect minorities or something from, um, you know, drug dealers in their community. They hadn't come up with the line that the drug war was racist or anything yet. Back then. Huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, then they, uh, uh, you know, they had this, uh, carry on into the future here in Dark Knight Returns where, uh, and Green Arrow had his arm blasted off by Superman because I guess he was, uh, revolting against Superman's relationship with Reagan or something. They never quite said what it was that led to this, uh, yeah, this conflict here. But, uh, if you read like Green Arrow comics from the eighties, he's doing stuff like blowing up, uh, detention camps for illegal immigrants and stuff so that they can all go free. And, uh, <laughs> he was very politically left wing at the time and <laughs> to the extent of being a terrorist uh, who would blow up government facilities and, uh, so I can definitely see that Reagan probably sicked him on uh, Green Arrow uh, because of because of that, and uh, and yeah, Superman like blasted off his arm with heat vision or something like that. So you can see that he's got like his no arm uh, when Batman goes to visit him and uh, yeah. make their plan to beat Superman. Well, that makes sense in the immigration campaign because like what was it in in Scarface? Like you know, Tony Montana's backstory was him being like a refugee from cuba who was actually like a criminal refugee and winds up in like this like slum area in miami where they basically like made homemade detention centers for people like immigrating from cuba into the u.s because castro like you know opened the borders at that time and so then it became like a city like a city problem regarding all these immigrants coming in and not really sure where to put them so they just made like you know these little tent houses and camps like, you know, underneath, like, an, you know, expressway, like, underpass or something like that. Well, Cuba is a unique situation because we actually have a total open borders policy with Cuba. Basically, if anybody can get out of there, we treat them as a refugee from communism. Um, and that's been the case for a long time. Hmm. And uh, the Republicans are actually willing to support that, um, unlike other forms of open border stuff, because the Cubans who get here tend to be uh, capitalists, and so they tend to vote for Republicans. So yeah, they all wind up in Florida, and they do. They make up like you know, sandwich shops and stuff, and so they do pretty well. Right. 
yeah, and a lot of rich people fled after Batista was overthrown by uh, by Castro because he he started seizing all the farms and instituting collective agriculture, and uh, people who resisted would get killed. And so, yeah, they all uh, took off. So, mm. but uh, yeah, and then they had the whole controversy where like um, Bill Clinton was actually the one who was starting to deport uh, illegal immigrants, like uh, Elian Gonzalez from uh, the U.S. and like send them back to Cuba. And Republicans were like, well, you should send him back to live under communism. And, uh, you know, he's going to be brainwashed. And now Elian is like a member of the Communist Party of Cuba. Huh, that's how he turned out. Cause I remember that was a big thing in the 80s. Had well, the it was in fu- the 90s. Uh, no, that's right, the 90s. Yeah, I was in, I think, either middle school or elementary school when that was going on. And, like, they had the, the famous photo of um, the officer, like, pulling him out of the closet. It was like, you know, there's like one of those like, you know, million dollar shots right there that was on every single newspaper and magazine or whatever for years. Oh, yeah, that was an infamous one. Uh, and they had at the time, if you watched like uh, there are some old episodes like Politically Incorrect uh, with Bill Maher on YouTube that I watched from the 90s. Yeah. Bill Maher was saying stuff like uh, you should deport him back uh, because he's actually getting more brainwashed here because he's in a uh, Christian school. And he would be under these communist schools in Cuba. And he likes reading out this textbook or whatever that supports uh, creationism or something and denouncing this Christian school. And so it, it was actually kind of the opposite of what you would expect uh, for, for most immigration issues where you have the liberals who are arguing for deportations, but only as long as it's a deportation to a communist country because communist countries are better than America. So it's actually going to be better for, <laughs> for which, which makes no sense. Well, from their perspective, since they are communists, that makes sense to them. Yeah. But I mean, if you actually look at the results of it, uh, you know, people flee from communist countries to go to capitalist countries. There's not very many people who flee from America to go to the Soviet Union or to Cuba or anything. They don't really have many people immigrating to those countries. And if those Nobody's people, fleeing if those to China. Leave, bet, better, good luck to them. Yeah. All right. Um, do you got anything else to say on, um, Dark Knight Returns? Um, well, yeah, I think we should go over the ending where, uh, Batman, it, it seems like he dies yeah, yeah, during the struggle with Superman. Well, yeah. And, but then it turns out he's still alive because they show him being buried and stuff. And then um, Superman can like hear a heartbeat. Yeah. And it turns out like Batman's making this like little underground, I guess, army or whatever. Like mm-hmm. for the rest of his days to try to help like Gotham out or whatever, like the secret like army. And you know they make like you know wait we need to hurry up and he's like we got time, like no rush, Take, just just do a good job, don't break anything, we'll be okay. Yeah, what was it like? It was the fact that like everything was going on when like Bruce had a heart attack and then Alfred just falls over and dies, like he has a stroke. So then he can't feel his arm, and then like out, and then outside, he basically just like keel falls over dead. Yeah, um, yeah. Alfred is he's he's like looking through the books in the Wayne Library or something, and then it seems like he's got some sort of signal or something to like blow up the mansion, and then he he like does it, and then it, it explodes, and then he then he dies on the scene. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, it was interesting how the fact that, like, you know, all of Bruce Wayne's assets are gone and, you know, like, he left nothing behind. But then he's got, like, funding to have a supercomputer in a bat cave still. And 
So he, he has money. Or he's getting money somehow or had enough saved up to like continue what he was doing, so Right. Yeah, I guess he still has somehow kept his assets. Uh, maybe he's got some secret funds in Switzerland or something. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then he's underground, and uh, yeah, I guess he's like preparing uh, to do something. I don't know to intervene in Gotham again if he needs to. There, there are some sequels. Um, in one of them, uh, there's like a new Justice League. Um, that's the Dark Knight Strikes Again, uh, where Batman is leading uh, like new Adam and Flash and other characters, Plastic Man. Um, then he's fighting against the people who are working for the government, which is uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel. And uh, I guess Batman. Superman knows that Batman is still alive because of that funeral scene, and then mm-hmm. so he goes to the Batcave to confront Batman, and they have to fight again and everything. And uh, and then you have um, the uh, Dark Knight Three, which is uh, you got like the Superman's people turn out to still be alive, and they invade the Earth, and uh, Batman dies during that one. But uh, then. Uh, Carrie Kelly, uh, the girl who's Robin in this one, uh, takes over and becomes Batwoman. Hmm. And uh, and then you have Dark Knight 4, which I just read a couple days ago. And uh, that one has got um, uh, this really weird plot. Uh, it's barely even a Batman comic. Uh, it's more about uh, Superman's children who are these strange, like, uh, super Kryptonian beings or whatever. Uh, they kind of Float around in the air and judge people, and so that his his daughter is like a uh, social justice warrior, and so she's just constantly floating around talking about how, you know, uh, how bad humans are because they're uh, mean and they pollute and uh, all this kind of stuff, and they're racist and yada yada, and then she's uh, along with Batwoman and uh, um, the, the other Superman kid, they're like. Uh, fighting against uh, Trump because he's being run by uh, the Joker and dark side. And it's just really stupid. (laughs) This is like the kind of stuff that DC and Marvel are putting out now. Just like blatant political propaganda. It's like, you can't even try to hide like how biased you are. No, no, I don't think they do try to hide anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like they had blatant references to Trump. Like, the Joker has on a, uh, he's standing in front of a, like a Trump style poster. It's like Trump's face, but with the, uh, the Obama colors from that, like, hope and change poster that was famous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, then, uh, he's got on his jacket, uh, says something like, I don't really care, do you? Which was this famous jacket that Melania was wearing one time at some press appearance. And people were like, this just shows how heartless she is. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of little references and like Batman, I mean, sorry, Batwoman, uh, shuts down, uh, Trump's like message to the nation after, uh, there's some sort of riots in the street or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's, she's got some like bat phone or something that she uses to like hack into the, uh, airwaves and shut him off. Um, yeah, a lot of blatant propaganda in comics these days. Uh, 
then I guess we'll move on to um, yeah, Gotham, Gotham Knight. Gotham Knight. Um, so this one's like a an anime style anthology from I think 2006 or 2007. I re- I remember it coming out. Well, apparently it, it came what out. Year was Dark Knight? It was 2008. Dark Knight came out. Okay, that was still yeah, it came out at the time. Yeah, because like apparently came out like it came out like a week or or something before the Dark Knight came out or came out in theaters. Right. Um, I just remember like I for a good money. Uh, my good buddy Josh was telling me like he was just like yeah. I mean I was asked him about it and he's like yeah I saw it. It was just kind of one of those things where it was like it was the Animatrix where it was like really one good skit. Everything else is just either mediocre or eh, you know. Not really that interesting. He's like, oh, you can probably just avoid it or whatever. So I, that's kind of what I did for years. But I was like, I need to check this out eventually. And then, you know, it, they put it on TV. So I'm like, okay, I can finally sit down and watch this thing. I mean, overall, I really liked it. Um, and the best one is obviously going to be the Deadshot one at the very end. Um, and, and like, yeah, the, the, the Death Shots, um, not skit, but like more short. Was kind of, and I think that might have been the longer one because there was like two commercial breaks on Toonami to break that up. And that one was just like, I felt like Takao Saito was a, a consultant and it was like, look, <clears throat> I do a whole manga and a character on a guy who assassinates people from like half the planet away. So like if, you know, if Gogo 13 was dead shot, this is how he killed this guy from getting on a, um, a giant Ferris wheel and then shooting like the mayor of the city or like the commissioner or whatever. Well, not, not the, I think it was the mayor. Yeah. And like from, you know, two miles away, like right in the forehead or whatever, while he's at a party and also some other crazy stuff where it's like, you know, we're going to target James Gordon driving down the road and I'm going to be in the oncoming train. That's going to basically like shoot a bullet out of a, you know, at like 60 miles an hour from a train car or whatever. And like, Pecker, I got, you know, plaster bullet right across uh, James Gordon's face or whatever. Like, it was just kind of cool stuff like that. Um, and it, it felt very coward, because Kawajiri directed that, and there's something, Kawajiri has a style where it's like half naked women or women in bikinis at a poolside. And you know, you're watching a Kawajiri um, anime because there's a distinct look and also like the settings where it's like they're at a pool. There's guys talking about stuff and there's hot chicks everywhere. That's how you know it's a Kawachiri anime. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, it's like Goku Midnight and I, where like they have the second OVA where like Goku, you know, fights the Chinese guy on a rollerblades and he's at a pool lounging or something because he's got a bunch of like, I don't remember, it was like a model, he runs a model agency or something, but, and then he gets on rollerblades and skates away and Goku has to kill him, so. Um, that was, I mean, yeah, that, that, the Deadshot one is the best one. Uh, the Skateboard Kids was alright. I, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, as Daph mentioned in the chat, it was animated by the same people who did the movie, uh, Tekken Ken Crete. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Oh, yeah, now I see that style. I, the story was really nice because it was like, all the kids were like, you know, I saw Batman here, but their stories are all connected and it led up to like, you know, the kid they're telling the story to, like, they land, it ends right where they're at. And then the kid winds up helping Batman. Yeah, they had a, they had several <clears throat> stories like that that they had done before. 
like if you read the Gotham Knight uh, Wikipedia page, they mentioned that there's an episode of the uh, 90s Batman cartoon that had the same premise of like different people telling different stories about how they saw Batman. And then there was a, um, a classic story from the 70s as well where it had this same uh, theme of, you know, different people see Batman. Like some see them as literally a, a, bat, a giant bat or some see him, uh, you know, as more like a superhero. And so that there's all these different perspectives of, of what he's like. And so I think that that speaks to the variety of different interpretations you could do with this character where yeah. you have, um, you know, all these different designs of him throughout the movie. And, you know, people might not like every one of them. I know Daft really hated his design and part of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can show him as like the campy Adam West, uh, Joel Schumacher type Batman, or you can have him be like the dark Tim Burton or Christopher Nolan Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, just all the, the different 66 Batman yeah. series where Batman's right. running down a dock with a giant bomb over his head. Yeah. Where he's got bat shark propellant in his utility belt. And yeah. <laughs> all the absurd things that happened back then. Burt Ward is your Robin. Yeah. And I did go back and watch that show like, um, at the beginning of this year and it, it, it is enjoyable for what it is, but it's like an extremely horny show. <laughs> But uh, that's just how TV was back then, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I kind of forgot the other... Oh, uh, there was the one where, like, it was Detective Allen and then the girl that were driving a criminal to, like, Arkham or something. And then they get stopped by, like, the two, like, rival gangs. Like, one's, like, an Italian mobster and the other one's Russian. But then that kind of comes full circle and like, what was it, two or three scenes later or like two shorts later? Or it might have been the next one. Um, where like, you know, the Batman's got like the anti-bullet thing where like Bruce Wayne is literally an anime character. Like, uh-huh. bishy boy toy kind of look. That, that did not look good at all. That, that's not, like you got Kevin Conroy's voice coming out of like a bishy like cute boy or something. It did not work. Yeah, in the Alan one, it's like that guy is like doesn't like Batman, and then his partner does, and so they're arguing about that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and then the, the, then there's yeah, there's the one where he looks like way too pretty to be Batman. Yeah. <laughs> that one um, I couldn't get. I, I I didn't like the Batman design in that one either. Like a suit, because I think even Daft pointed that out. He's like, ah, I don't like this. I can't remember if it was that one or maybe the short before. I don't know. Yeah, there's one where he's uh, like testing out some new. Uh, uh, Wikipedia calls it a gyroscopic electromagnetic guidance system with Lucius Fox. I think that's the one where he's like very pretty and. Uh, yeah, that's the one. The Batman hijacks a boat. And, uh, Villain is Sal Maroni. Yeah, that's another villain that's from your one that they yeah. include in a lot of other stuff. I think he's in The Long Halloween as well, which was another famous Batman comic. Um, well, see, like once Batman suited up and he got Kevin Conroy's voice, it actually didn't look that bad. But yeah. like, you know, Bishy Boy, Bruce Wayne with the super long hair in the front, I was like, this is so stupid. I can't, I can't stand this look. And then you get like the other Madhouse stuff where like, um, 
I think it might have been like the last skit where like it's the Kawajiri style or it was the second the last one where like Bruce Wayne's got his hair more slicked back and it's darker. Like that one was a good that was like that's the Bruce Wayne like I'm used to is that look. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see the other Madhouse one it says in Darkness Wells, this is the one where they're in the uh sewer and then there's uh Killer Croc and Scarecrow and all this. Yeah, that was... Batman's like disappearing into a hole in the ground and uh, this like spooky way and everything. Yeah, that was a cool one. Um, yeah, what was it like? It basically like I think it was the next one, the next skit that where he's like trying to walk out of there and it's like more on his past, and then he gets into uh, like this where he goes to India. Yeah, that one. I mean, that one yeah, was I didn't all like right. that one very but much. Like, I, I liked how it ended where he's basically in a trash area and he just keeps digging up guns. And Alfred's just like, go ahead and put them down. He's like, I can't do it. These guns have to come with me. They can't be, you know, in this, you know, because people just commit crimes with guns and then they just toss them in, like, the uh, the sewer grid or whatever. But then you also see that same thing happen and BC Pretty Boy Batman arc where, like, he tracks down the Russian guy because he's trying to save his life, and then the Russian guy like has the gun. And he decides to chuck him into the uh, the sewer grate or whatever, because that's just what you do. Uh huh. Oh, interesting. So I'm scrolling through the uh, Batman Gotham Knight uh, Wikipedia, and it does say these had like Americans that wrote the stories, and they were just animated by uh, the Japanese studio. Yeah, the studio between. So it's Josh Olson, Greg Rocco, Jordan Gold. David Boyer, Brian Azzarello, Alan Burnett. So a lot of these guys work on either movies or comic books. Interesting. But then you have for the for the studios that do the anime, there's 4C, IG, B Train, and Madhouse. Yeah, B Train and B Train only did one, and then yeah. Forcey did, did a couple. Well. IG did one. Forcey did a couple, and Madhouse did the rest. Yeah, Madhouse did two. Well. I think I think there was a I think there was like a fifty fifty split between like Forcey and Madhouse. If not, Madhouse might have an extra one. Yeah, well, there were there were two for Madhouse and two for Forcey, and then one for the other two of each. And, okay, uh, that makes sense. But Madhouse was longer. Uh, probably the majority of the movie is Madhouse because their their shorts were longer, like the Dutch not one. Mm-hmm. Especially when you factor in the commercial time on Toonami, because they they're airing more commercials near the end than they're at the start. Yeah, I honestly thought that like uh, the Deadshot one would have gone on longer because it was kind of like, oh, it's leading up to something and then it just kind of ends. Mm. And I thought like the yeah, I mean, I thought that was going to like go somewhere, like he's going to go after the people who hired Deadshot to assassinate Gordon or whatever. Or to go after those people that have been killed because it, like, you know all the shorts are tied into the same story arc, but then it just kind of cuts it cuts off there. I was like, it well, says okay. the film ends with Batman looking at the sky and seeing the bat signal. I guess that's a good way to end it, but I don't know. Maybe they're planning to make more of these if this did well or something. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as Animatrix, where like they they did those Animatrix shorts, and there's a couple of really good ones. And there's a couple of really not so great ones, and the rest of them are probably just average to like, okay. Because I, I haven't seen Animatrix in probably like 15 years. Have you seen uh, Halo Legends? 
I I did see that and own that. And the only one I remember out of that is the Shinji Aramaki short, where it's just completely CG. And that was actually one of the better ones. I think I bought that from Blockbuster or something. I remember getting it. I feel like I didn't spend too much on it. And then watched it one night, and I was like, oh, okay. I've got that in my stack of DVDs in the tub right now. I don't know. That's kind of all I've got to say on Batman. Um, yeah, I think we're going to call it quits here. Yeah, I got to use the bathroom, and I got stuff I got to do, so we can't really do closing remarks. Other than we can, we, if we mention one thing, I think the biggest thing we need to talk about is that Love That Goku is back. Yeah, I was just about to say that's something. That okay, yeah. Mention. Well, I'll let you. I'll let you take it from here. That'll be our closing one closing remark. Topic. Okay. Let me let me pull him up. Uh, he was watching Dragon Ball Z for a couple of years, I guess. Yeah, he's, since he's since Thanksgiving 2018, he's been at home watching Dragon Ball Z. He was quarantining himself before quarantine happened. I'll, I'll read some of the best ones here. I am courage, I am strength, I am power. My mind is clear and unwavering. My body is a finely tuned machine. If there is a god out there, I will be the first to find out when he reveals himself to me in order to ask for advice. Nice. Now playing Dragon Ball Z theme, and then uh, I hereby challenge any police officer in the United States to engage me in combat in public before a large audience. I will lay waste to you and then write my name on your badge and wear it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Excellent. I will fight any cop, and I have decided to resolve the conflict in the Middle East as well. I have good news, which is that I have declared war on the police. I will fight any policeman. I hereby order every policeman in America to surrender their bands and firearm to me by noon tomorrow. <laughs> I've come up with a good idea how to resolve the conflict in the Middle East. Every Middle East leader is hereby ordered to contact me immediately via Twitter direct message. <laughs> God himself shall one day bow at my feet. Incredible, incredible strength. This guy, he's like more of an egomaniac than ever here. I have reached an unprecedented level of strength while in quarantine. And then, uh, let's see here. Anime is an essential service, even more than school, church, etc. Possibly even more than the doctor's office. <laughs> I have determined that I'm immune to the COVID-19 virus. I got my job at the anime store back, though we are currently closed for the pandemic. Despite providing an essential service, yeah, I remember he used to work at some anime store, but they they fired him because he threw out everything that wasn't related to Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, he's like, why is there why is this store not a Dragon Ball Z store? Then you're not going to make any money, and then they got rid of him, and then they decided to hire him back. Yeah, um, I, I just like it, the After fact that he's like. I've decided to resolve the situation in the Middle East, and then the last one here. Sorry to all my followers, I have not posted in a while. I was watching Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Okay, there's the one where he reveals where he's been. Well, and this was uh, just a couple of days ago that he came back, so hopefully he keeps posting. Yeah, it's the fact that like uh, Christian has been love that Goku has been Antifa before there was Antifa. Mm-hmm. This dude has been fighting the police for the past seven years. Like, no, you, you can't. Antifa can't say they're the first ones. It's 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 love that Goku. <laughs> yeah, he, he's from the beginning been at war with the police. Like. One of the first stories that was when he would show up to school and uh, punch out police officers or 
drove his parents' car into the uh, police station and all this kind of stuff yeah. that he would do in the early early stories. The early story arcs. Right. Oh, man. It, it's good for him to come back after about two years. I hope he remembers all these other characters that he used to include in these stories, like the uh, baby Christian or whatever he's called, the Christian Jr. Oh, yeah. Well, he's still he left he's, in the woods. He's still feuding with that pro baseball person, too. He instantly yeah, brings him that. up. I'm like, that guy, I'm sure, was having a good day and then got that. And he's just like, oh, no, not this a-hole again. Well, I was surprised that that guy actually yeah, sent like a message to, to love that Goku first. So he must be still following him after all these years and decided to attack him that he's back. <laughs> uh, Which is kind of surprising. But uh, he had yeah. some other people that he was infused with, like that celebrity from uh, Blues Traveler, I think. I, some that sounds about right, yeah. He would argue with Okay, well, I guess we'll uh, wrap it up here. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah, this is actually a short recording for once. I am not, I do not plan on bundling this with any other recordings. Hour and 15 is fine. We're gonna stick with okay. that. Well, I think after music intros or whatever, it's probably gonna be like an hour 17 or whatever. And then for a preview of a later episode, I do have Vote Toms now on Blu-ray, but I have to start it still. Okay, so I, need we'll go, I need to go through my, another... I need to go through my watch view. I actually wind up trading in the, because uh, I was trying to sell you my old Votom set. And, uh-huh. uh, and you were like, no, I'm going to get the newer one because they like, ch- they did better on the trend, like the rent video rendering or something. Um, yeah. So I did get rid of I, I had to lift it up online to, to make sure there was going to be like a good release. I was like, why did they re-release it so soon? <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> well, I wind up trading that in. Uh, so in terms of, okay, my other thing is that, you know, everyone's clamoring and excited to get a freaking PS5 and an Xbox. Who get? Who cares? And you know, you, you can. You know, you got football that's back, and the Washington who gives a damn because they don't have a team name right now. Um, my biggest thing that I spent money on through PayPal credit that I have to pay back is I got me a Neo Geo MBSX, which is basically the pri- for the price of a PlayStation Five. I wound up getting an actual little one of those little mini arcades from Neo Geo themselves. So I put my pre-order in. It's supposed to have like 50 games preloaded. It's every King of Fighters, every Samurai Showdown, every Metal Slug, and it's big enough. And I actually allocated room. I've, I've been putting up shelves and crap in my room for like the past two weekends, Re- reorganizing this place. And so now I got a section where that arcade machine is going to fight right against my wall. I got like this uh, work in progress SNK shrine going up, so it's good. Um, hopefully, I'll get the, the machine's supposed to come out in November, so this episode's probably going to come out before then. But I guess I could post a picture of like my work in progress, like photo um, of like the, where the machine will go, and then like once I get it in, I can probably post that on on an episode or something. But I need to, I do need to rewatch Votoms. Um, but I did get rid of them. I traded some figures in and make up the cash to get the arcade machine. And so one of the things I gave to this guy out at a toy federation and Greer, um, was those, that Votom set and the, like the first OVA section. He was just like, yeah, we can always, cause he run, he plays stuff at the shop all the time. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like if you're interested, he's like, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I'll take it in. So 
I got hopefully I converted someone to love Votoms now, and hopefully he's playing in the shop right now. So I don't know. That's been a couple of weeks. Oh, John said he dropped from the call, and yet I'm still what? You gotta be kidding me. How how are we having issues? Uh, well, I guess it's just me talking, so I'll just go ahead and end the podcast because John dipped out because Discord's a piece of crap. Does it tell me there's an update? Anyways, I don't care. So anyways, yeah, listeners, that's what I've been going on with. And you guys have a good time. Happy Halloween, whether it comes up before or after. So I am out of here. Batman got on my nerves. He was running me a moat. He ridiculed me, calling me a bum. I whooped Batman's ass. 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 Batman thought he was bad. He was a fucking asshole in the first place. He got knocked to the floor. I whooped Batman's ass! I whooped!